0: Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radios Discussion Program. The discussion program brings together experts to reflect on a variety of current security issues facing Africa at local, national, and international levels.
1: Hello, I'm Desmond Davis. My guest today here in Mombasa are Halef Halifa, the chairman of Muslims for human rights. Based in Mombasa, here in Kenya, and Fuhara Charo, who is a Lance Program Officer at Haki Yetu, which means our rights organization. Uh, welcome to both of you. I mean, this is a very uh, interesting time for uh, Kenya with elections coming up. And uh, uh, Halef Halifa, how do you see the, the, the campaign going, and what are the
2: possibilities of a peaceful election? Well, what I can say, the situation is very tense um, and it worries us. In fact, it worries everybody because there is a possibility that um, the ruling party could lose elections and uh, we might never know what uh, their reactions. Um, many loopholes of rigging has been closed at this time. Um, I want to also to To be aware that I was one of the three people who went to court and we got court order that uh, uh, vote counting at constituency are final. Prior to that, a presidential counting was only in Nairobi and that opened a lot of rigging. But the high court and uh, the IBC appealed and we also won uh, the second case on court of appeal. So this is a major blow uh, to the ruling party because everybody wants to wreak, but the government has an upper hand than the opposition. opposition.
1: Yes. Uh, Fuhara I mean, your organization is called Our Rights. Yes. I mean, what are you actually involved in? Are you actually involved in election campaigning or?
3: So, uh, through the peace program, actually they've been partnering with MUHURI in some of the activities. They aim at uh, preaching peace to the community especially as uh, you've heard uh, Halef mention that there's tension currently and at most times you find the youth are the most vulnerable because most of the times you find uh, due to the vulnerability they're mostly used uh, by, um, by politicians as tools of uh, propagating violence. So uh, through uh, the peace program they've been trying to reach out to the youth and uh, trying <coughs> to, uh, to undertake um, just uh, sensitizing on the importance of peace so some of the activities they are undertaken in, uh, include, um, include some uh, acting, some uh, theatre activities that uh, depict the message on the importance of peace and how the youth and the, everyone <coughs> in the country in general, whether women, men, they can all uh, take part in enhancing peace.
1: Yeah, Well, that's a very important point you're talking that you're working with young people. Yes. But the point is, why is it that young people fall prey so easily? politicians who don't have a stake in the future young people are the ones who have the future ahead of them why should they be destroying the future now Why why they are so gullible to the the politicians who are on the way out anyway
3: yeah um, i think uh, that's that's a good question uh, maybe if we just reflect uh, the kenyan population you can see that uh, the youth consists the majority of the population exactly and even uh, when you look, we try to look at issues affecting the youth for instance the issues of unemployment You find most youth are are unemployed, and um, if maybe we try to focus in the coast region, uh, uh, I'm sure we know about uh, the issues of drugs and everything. So I think uh, the issue of unemployment it renders youth vulnerable to uh, to extortion and even vulnerable to manipulation. So this is imagine this is somebody maybe he has no source of employment, and then maybe you promise to give them maybe a thousand to go instigate violence somewhere or maybe to just go uh, pass some hate message somewhere. Of course, this person knows at the end of it all, at least I'll be having something in my pocket. So they'll be, they're, they're open to manipulation because most of them are they're not economically empowered.
1: But Halif, uh, Halifa, I mean, it's just short term, isn't it? I mean, it, it won't last long for these young people to fall prey. So how you yourself, with your experience, you try to uh, disabuse the minds about just taking a few thousand...
2: Shouldn't. Well, I, I, I concur with Raha. You see, poverty really drives a lot of young people. To go. When you see rallies, either Jubilee or NASA, most probably you'll see the same gang of people who, who goes from both. You know, NASA can come, they get money, they will attend. The other party will come, they will also attend. Okay. But also... We must realize that uh, politics in Kenya is about tribe. It's not about issues. It has never been about issues. If it was about issues, probably people would talk about corruption, mismanagement, talking about nepotism, talking about. Uh, you see, this, this government is it's full of um, opportunities that has gone to two tribes, Kalenjin and Kikuyus. Okay. But uh, we're not dealing with, 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 with issues. There are ministers who are, are, are accused of uh, corruption. Now they're running uh, in position of elected position. Well, Fuhara, what uh, Khalifa has just said m-
1: means that uh, everyone in society is to blame. It's not just the politicians.
3: Um, yes, <coughs> everyone in society. Because if
1: you use ethnicity as a uh, basis for politics, then there's no need to talk about issues. So everyone has to be blamed.
3: Yeah, uh, yes everyone is to blame, but again uh, when we we have leaders in society, for instance, we have religious leaders, we have political leaders, uh, we also have administration leaders and everything. So you know uh, as leaders, in as much as we maybe the citizens, maybe we might be confused and everything. but I believe leaders play a crucial role in trying to empower citizens and also in trying to uh, maybe to to advocate for unity and everything. but in most instances, you see these the leaders whom uh, we look up to, the leaders whom we've put in position to guide us, to lead us. They are the very ones, um, they are the very ones who are instigating some of these things. For instance, uh, as his mentioned, the issue of corruption. You see, our leaders are, are engaged, uh, involved, rather, in major corruption scandals. And nothing is done to them. So even that sends a message even to the, to the grassroots communities, the citizens, that I can, I can engage in corruption and just get away with it. Because it's like the rule of law. It does not prevail anymore. Yes.
1: But Halif Halifa, from my own experience, in Africa, corruption really uh, among politicians is encouraged by members of the family, members of the ethnic group, so that they, they can now extend largesse to that, to that group. That's what happens when people are involved in corruption
2: in Africa. It is very true. But let's go back and see the Kenyan history and where it all started. Okay. This country was colonized by the British, and um, vast arable land was owned by British settlers. Uh, Kenyans fought for independence, got independence. Our first president, what exactly he did, he copied what the settlers do, uh, lands for himself, are missing vast tracts of land the whole country, in, in especially in Kos coast province. Uh, his friends and families. You see, Kenyatta, the first president of this country, copied exactly what the settlers did. In fact, one time, the late uh, Professor Al-Mazrui, he described uh, Jomo Kenyatta as the last governor of Kenya. You see? Well, this is not just Kenya, really all over Africa. It is, it is true. The, the, the leaders just copied the colonialists. Yes. Yeah, it yes, is true. Yes. Mm. The trade is there. Yes. But mind you, Kenya has a new constitution that was promulgated in 2010, and uh, the Bill of Rights is one of the most progressive in the world. It's almost similar to the, to the one of South Africa, but we have not, we have yet to see its potential. Okay. That is the major problem. If the rule of law is maintained equally to everybody, people would have forgot about tribalism. Because everybody wants to, to see his tribe to be a leader because hoping that he's going to benefit out of it. Why should I have a president from my tribe? Why should I have a president who is a Muslim? I want to have a president who is just and a president who obeys the law you know, and being progressive Fairly and squarely. But that does not happen. That's why everybody is leaning to his people. But why should we have that sort of problem in Africa? I mean, all over
1: the world, in every country, you have subdivisions. But politicians work in the interest of the country, of of, of the, the nation as a whole. Why should we be very different in
2: Africa? Well, don't compare. Africa this this uh, country this not Africa sure. just got independent 50 60 years ago this is a new countries with a new experience with a lot of the Kenya was not Kenya before the british came and that's a fact okay the british came before that uh, this place uh, the, uh, the the coastal was ruled uh, by sultan Zanzibar. Yes. okay uh, but at the same time the british uh, under administration, uh, it was the British administration because this was a protector, it was not a colony. So the, 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 the historical uh, injustices didn't start uh, when we got independence. It went way back. But the biggest responsibility to correct what went wrong, it is from where we got independence. Because if you are ruled by somebody, then you have no say. They will do whatever they want you to do. But once we got independence, this is where things started to go wrong. Look what is happening in Tanzania. You really try to build people, okay? So you go to Tanzania, people doesn't know about tribal. They don't ask this president which tribe it is, okay? But in Kenya, tribe became something very, very important. And uh, Furaha,
1: yes. you're in a very controversial, uh, more or less, position as a of Lands Program Officer. And what I've heard throughout is the land problem. How, how, how are you coping with that major problem?
3: Um, uh, Hakietu uh, has tried to... There are various interventions that we have been trying to to, uh, to to introduce in the community. Because I first, I'd, I'd point out maybe some of the challenges that have really sparked up our land issues, especially in the post-region. For instance, as he's mentioned, the issue of historical land injustices again, uh, you find um, women especially uh, and even the rural communities not only women because I know most times when a lady talks about women they are told, oh you're only favouring women there are also men out there who are having land issues so I'd say just uh, mainly rural communities, they do not have knowledge of some of these land and as you know, landlords keep, there are many reforms that keep coming up so through Hakietu, uh, they've been trying to at least conduct awareness uh, to the, through public forums the communities or maybe uh, some of the land laws, some of the changes in the land laws and maybe some of the reforms uh, in the land institutions, for instance. Yes? But What's the major
1: setback on, on the land issue for, for ordinary people?
3: In the coast region? Yes. Uh, I would say um, the issue of historical injustices. It has It's, it's really means, eating, eating up in the coast region.
1: Which means that uh, land was taken away and they have not been given the land back. Is uh, that... What you mean by Sorry. historical injustice?
3: Yes, again, uh, you find uh, multiple landers at the coast region because uh, during those times, uh, people were, people, especially from the central government, when the president of the commission of land, people allocated land from the office. You have this land, this land, or just given a uh, portion of land. So you find, uh, and those people were quick enough in getting title deeds. So the indigenous communities did not, uh, did not have the knowledge, or rather, on how to follow up and process title yes. deeds. And again, they were also reluctant because, I mean, they, they were like, we've been living here communally, so they didn't see the need of you to have a, 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 a document, rather a piece of paper to prove that this is your land. So I think because they were reluctant, so they did not have uh, the documents. And as, uh, f- from the land reforms now, the only uh, proof of ownership of land is, if you have that title, and it's as much as title it can be revoked through a court process. But of course, it can't be just uh, arbitrary revocation. they also have to be grounds for that revocation. So I think uh, most, cos, uh, most people in the, uh, the coast region they are complaining of being landless. They are living on, uh, they are demo squatters. people living on land, but they don't have documents. And that makes, the, uh, makes them vulnerable to evictions. And also, uh, even in the case of um, these large scale land projects, for example, like the SGR, the Dongokundu Bypass, you find that these communities cannot be compensated because they do not have titles. So I think the, the whole issue of, of the lack of the title deeds, it has, it has really made people vulnerable. Because, for instance, if you're living on, that, on a particular parcel of land, you don't have a title deed. Then maybe your neighbor somewhere you've also had uh, the, uh, maybe they've just been evicted from that parcel of land. You know, even you uh, even if you're living there, you can't really develop that land because you're not sure what might happen the next day. Yes. Well,
1: Halif Halifa, that brings us down to the rule of law.
2: Yes. It, it seems as if that's not working. It doesn't. You see, there was a commission formed many many years ago, Truth, Justice and Reconciliation Commission, which comprises a lot of things, killings, uh, land injustices, and everything. And that document was handed over to President uh, Gukurugwana. Okay? To date, to date, in fact, just a few days ago, the Deputy President clearly said we cannot follow because it's going to bring divisions. And that also could have brought up the issue of land injustice in this country, okay? What Faraha was saying, this is exactly what is happening. I have been following land issues in this this area for quite a long time. And you can see communities living in such a place, okay, even near the beach. Somebody in Nairobi, a minister, a powerful person, you know, sees in the map, a prime land, there's no ownership, okay? And they allocate to somebody else. Not take into consideration those people who have been living there from time immemorial. And Kenyan laws: once you hold a title deed, you are a bona fide owner. Okay, and that is wrong. So TGFC could have come up. Really, I hope uh, the, the you know, what you call Ray Odinga. He made it publicly that. That is one thing he is going to. Uh, the, the issue of TFC, he will follow it up, and that will bring to the end of uh, historical land injustices, especially in the coast province. Do you know when Jacob was in power? No person could own a beach plot till presidential consent. So he grabbed, and his friends and the psychophants and other business people you see to the detrimental of cost people there is no indigenous person owns beach plot or all these hotels owned by foreigners all the upcountry people
0: you're listening to the discussion program on the alc pan-african radio stay tuned
1: uh welcome back uh to this program in mombasa uh with my guest Halef halifa of uh, muslims for human rights and Furaha Charu, who is with Haki Yeti, a rights organization. Well, I mean, what I've been hearing so far is that uh, organizations like yours, NGOs, are not effective. They're not delivering for the people we're supposed to deliver for, Furaha.
3: Um, I think our NGOs have really tried to supplement some of the government activities because as we know, uh, through governments there's the issue of limited resources and maybe maybe the inadequate expertise and everything. So I believe in as much as uh, NGOs, uh, they also maybe have their financial constraints and uh, some of uh, those issues. But they've really tried in reaching out the communities because, especially uh, if you try, especially for instance, if, uh, in the coast region, you'll find that uh, NGOs, for instance, Muhuri, Hakietu, Sharia, they're even more popular than even some of these government institutions. Actually, you find nowadays... But maybe somebody, for instance, maybe has a land... Okay, for maybe if it's a land issue, or maybe if it's, maybe somebody has been arbitrarily arrested, maybe a, a relative maybe has been uh, re- arrested, this person, rather than maybe rushing to the land office or anywhere else, they'd first come to the NGO. Then it will be now up to the NGO now to either refer this case or maybe follow it up. So I think um, NGOs have really pl- played a big role uh, in improving uh, governance through the issue of uh, checks uh, and balances.
1: Yeah, but also within the African context and African culture, government, the chief, does not want to be challenged publicly and be embarrassed. So can't you use another tactic to uh, try and see whether you can get a better deal from them rather than embarrassing them in public, confronting them in public?
3: No, uh, actually we don't. uh, It's it's not like we confront them or maybe we we embarrass them in public. Because one thing we believe, uh, once we have an empowered citizen... People who know their rights, they be in a better position to follow up on their rights even when uh, we are not uh, on the ground. Yes. In fact, that's a very
1: good point. That's the difference, to be honest, between the West and Africa. In the West, people know their rights. As Khalifa, Khalifa
2: people don't know let me their rights. Let me interject a little bit. Eh? Yes. I think civil uh, societies in Kenya are very vibrant. The most vibrant. In the whole of Africa, this country we couldn't have new constitution if it was not the push of civil society, and that's for sure. Okay, from 1990, civil society played a major role in demonstration, you know, activism. You see, till section two A of the constitution was repealed because it was one party state, and that was the work of the of the civil society. Today. Anybody can challenge anybody, including the president. I'm telling you, we are far different to our East African neighbors. Very, very, very far. You take Rwanda, you take Burundi, you take Tanzania, Uganda, you know, things what Kenyans are doing, those guys sometimes they get shocked. Because we challenge. Well, I
1: mean, uh, that means that uh, the society is liberal to allow you people to operate.
2: Yes. It does, of course, but... But that is from the push of the civil society. It didn't come in a silver platter. Well, everywhere, really, I mean, all over the world, you have to have strong civil society. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's, this is the most, the government which is so anti-civil society, it is the Huru government. You know, they also tried to send us legislation in parliament to limit funding, foreign funding, to 15%. But this is not just Kenya All the countries do it. Yeah, yeah But they realized Foreign funding You're also talking about HIV You're talking about uh, Red Cross You're talking about uh, education You're talking about so many things Also it affects all, all the, the society So when they realized the, the government will be affected more than the civil society They put back Because members of the parliament Let's say from Northeastern Which they receive a lot of funds Because of poverty and all this It will be cut off and they cannot discriminate. It says, you know, government could receive, but civil society not. But for how how, how <coughs> is the organization funded?
1: Do you have external uh, connections?
3: Yes, uh, like like any other uh, NGO, we we've, uh, we usually uh, rely mainly on fundraising, maybe from uh, these national uh, institutions, from different uh, maybe donor institutions. So basically, like we just uh, it's, it we raise finances through fundraising. Yes.
1: Uh, coming back to something you said earlier, uh, Khalifa, uh, you talked about the elections in the region, that actually both sides can actually rig. So, I mean, who rigs better anyway? Because, I mean, uh, with my experience, I've seen opposition parties rigging too, covering African politics. So, I mean,
2: uh, it's, it's a game, who we'll, we'll plays better? Well, well, mind you, government has all the ability
3: To break the election, but not opposition. Government government has the police,
2: the intelligence, the army. You just call, name it. But in the Gambia, Jame lost.
1: In Sierra Leone, uh, the government lost in 2007 to the opposition. So
2: uh, the uh, the opposition can also counter these. uh, Not necessarily rigging. You see, if elections were free and fair, probably Jobokinato, I mean, Railandiga would have been a president 15 years ago. You see, but every election it is rigged. Okay? Because even when they perused the electoral uh, register, they found over a million dead voters. Okay? In which those guys probably voted the last time. Okay? That is the reason. But that's just
1: down to uh, the fact that data has not been updated. Because, I mean, if you, as the opposition politicians, you can say, let's check the electoral list so that it's, it's well and truly updated. So it's the fault of the electoral commission, not updating. But
2: the, the electoral government. commission, mind you, it's part of the government. Yeah, you know, the electoral commission won't listen to the opposition, by the way. It will listen to the government. Even though it's independent, by paper, but the government has enormous influence on these institutions, you see. Some of them are very independent, like IPOR, independent police oversight uh, Ages. That is really, really independent. But what the government did, it stuck with, with, uh, with uh, funds. Kenya National Commission human rights. It could have been major. Every county could have uh, office. But the government staffed funds to these organizations. Once you stop funds, you cannot uh, move. Our organizations, and civil society, we receive our support entirely, 100%. From western donors and that's a fact okay well for Raha yourself
1: i mean how do you see because you work with communities and young people how do you see the reaction to the outcome of the elections i mean we don't want to preempt anything
3: um i'd say in as much as uh, the extension and everything but at least through uh, through meeting these communities because um, even if you go to these communities, in as much as you try to preach peace and everything, all they want uh, it's fair elections. That's um, all they want. Well,
1: they are the ones who are going to vote. They should make it fair, can't
3: they? No, but as of, as of, uh, you've had a uh, hell of mention, at, uh, of course there have been issues, especially recently uh, in in Kenya. For instance, uh, just the recent uh, murder of Chris Musandu, the IBC yes. IC technician. Also, there have been issues of uh, uh, extra ballot papers. There have been so many issues. Uh, there have been court cases. Within this period, there have been a lot of uh, Kate, uh, Kate, uh, uh, court battles. We've also had the issue of uh, the Al the the company that was given the tender to uh, yes. print the ballot papers. There have been so much going back and forth, back and forth. But I'd say um, we are really hoping that uh, through this, uh, through close monitoring, through the, uh, uh, the observation and everything. At least we'll be able to to close down these loopholes that have uh, that have created uh, avenues for manipulation and, and rigging, so that at least we'll be able to have uh, uh, fair elections, so that the results will be will be uh, the results will be a reflection of the will of the people. Yes.
1: Yes, Halifa. How do you see it yourself? I
2: mean, will it will the elections reflect the will of the people? Well, I think this time, eh, because the major battle that we had on rigging, you see, there are six elected positions. Only the president, presidential counting and the constituency, was not final; it was provisional. So they go to Nairobi at Bomas. Said said Bomas. They said there. And many times you would see the vote which, which was counted in the constituency and the one which is announced in, uh, in Bomas, they're different. During the Kibaki time there were two million votes of the president more than the Senate, Parliament, MCA uh, and the rest. And the question was asked, how comes? Because when you go inside the ballot, Ballot uh, station, you are giving six cards, and those six must go inside the ballot. You cannot take and go go outside. By law, you must put them in. Okay, but the president had much more votes than the rest. That was pure rigging. Yeah, sorry. But, but but now, now at least we have uh, tried to close those gaps, eh? That's why the government now is very, very worried. I'm telling you, extremely worried. Well, uh, I mean, but you still work with young people and to run up to the election,
1: talking to them. Your organisation, and, and how do you see their own reaction? What have they been saying, um, apart from wanting a free and fair election?
3: Um, basically, I'd say um, there have been so many issues uh, affecting the country. For instance, corruption, but also the issue of. Now there's a lot of inflation, as you can see the living standards. I mean, uh, the economy it has really, there's uh, really a lot of pressure. So I'd say all the community want is change. They want a leader who will just be able to address some of these issues affecting them.
1: Change and stability too, because it's very very important. Yes. Because one can notice that uh, not many tourists are in in, in Mombasa, because they are worried about the uh, so-called violent outcome of the uh, election.
2: Yeah, but uh, justice. People talk about peace, peace. Peace doesn't come out of vacuum. There must be justice. Once there is justice, everything will fall into place. But if there is no justice, don't expect there will be peace. And Fuhara, what do you think?
3: Yeah, uh, I think uh, because, uh, especially, uh, even if it were you, maybe for instance, put yourself in, 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 um, in, in, a, in okay, maybe in that situation, maybe you've. Maybe, for instance, exams, yeah? Maybe you've given it your best, you've read for the exams, the paper you did it, you, you were so... Maybe you're optimistic that, that you, you'd pass that exam. Then only to find out that you've been failed with that exam. Of course, in as much as somebody will try to tell you, oh, keep calm, be nice, of course there will be that, uh, that feeling of you've been rightfully denied uh, success. So I think that is the main issue that uh, it really needs to be addressed, and I think that's the that's the main reason as to why people now are more vigilant. People are really following up uh, through observation, through uh, engagement. They're really following up to ensure that the processes, the institutions, uh, the mechanisms in place, uh, the, they are all uh, they are all transparent and accountable, so as to deliver uh, uh, to deliver free and fair elections.
1: Yes, uh, Halifa, but. Do you blame the government for the uh, violent extremism and radicalization,
2: or, or any government, not just? The, I definitely, government? I do. You see, our neighbors Somalia, from way back in early nineties, the country was ungovernable, okay, and there was all sort of uh, Islamic movement, mm-hmm. terrorists, and all this. But it has never, f- across to the Kenyan border. Okay, what triggered? Kibaki regime to send troops to Somalia was a flimsy excuse because there was an abduction of uh, British tourists and uh, and French. uh, Then the, the whole government, we didn't know either those guys were just bandits or what, and they decided to send troops into Somalia without going to parliament because in Kenyan law you cannot send troops outside to combat without. They sent it and then they took it to to to, 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 to Pali to get to get to get that permission. Now the terrorism attacks in the country, it went hundred times more. But which wasn't there before. And then the government high-handedness and extrajudicial killings and disappearances into hundreds. And they were very tiny minority, tiny, I can say, less than 1% people who were taken to court and convicted in terrorism charges. Despite that everybody is saying this place is washing of terrorism and terrorism cells. But we have not seen conviction in the court of law. What we have seen is extra killings. And people blame the government or the president himself that at no time he said nothing. You know, we witnessed blacks were killed by American police in the United States. It prompted the president of the United States to stand up and speak about it. And those were just isolated cases. Here Al Jazeera made an extensive research and came up with a report. It was aired worldwide. You know, even the the, the people who were involved, they said, "Yes, we did it." Of course, they had their identity, and the government didn't do anything. Every report, internally or externally, Human Rights Watch, all of these reports, Amnesty International, but none of it, government, took heed of it. Okay, but all right.
1: What are your own uh, experiences about the whole thing?
3: The whole thing, of? about
1: radicalization, violent extremism?
3: Uh, I'd say um, it's 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 real in the coast region, and generally, I think uh, not only in the coast region but uh, countrywide, because as you have seen, there have been there have been trend. I mean, there have been a paradigm shift. In the uh, in the recruitment of these uh, of of the youth uh, joining these uh, these groups, because uh, initially people were were they, they had this uh, mentality that uh, it was only Muslims who are involved, but uh, through uh, the recent developments, it's it's uh, it's not only Muslims, even Christians. Yes, so I'd say nobody is safe. Yeah, nobody is safe because uh, they. You don't have to be a Muslim for you to be uh, to be uh, to, 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 to to be involved uh, in in CVE. I think it's something that uh, it's it's really affects the whole population. And I think maybe um, in as much as uh, CSOs they are really uh, uh, doing their best. Uh, for instance, Muhuri they have they have really uh, they have really tried to address that issue and they are still ongoing with it. I feel also the the, the government maybe. Uh, should also uh, try to supplement uh, maybe parts even uh, with CSOs. And the issue of extrajudicial killings that Helef uh, has just mentioned, I think that has also even worsened the issue of, of CVE. Mm-hmm. Because you know, uh, when you, maybe when there are these cases of extrajudicial killing, people are just killed arbitrarily without even being, being uh, given, uh, t- through, uh, taken through a, a fair trial. Mm-hmm. The, the, the issue of uh, people want to retaliate especially those who feel like maybe somebody was murdered uh, in an unfair way. And I think it's just... Uh, it's just... Uh, cycle. Yes, in it's, it's more of a cycle, exactly.
1: Okay, then uh, what's your message then for the your constituency for the upcoming election?
3: Uh, my message is um, we know uh, currently there's a lot of tension. Uh, people are... There's tension, actually, there's tension. So I think... Um, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd make a plea to the society, to, in as much as we have faith that uh, the elections will be, will be uh, transparent, the elections will be fair, the elections will be credible. Uh, let's let's just um, let's not be volatile. Yes. Yes Halif,
1: Halif, uh, what's your message to your own constituents?
2: What 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 is um, asked? Yeah. That's a spontaneous. Uh, uh, reaction. Uncontrolled reaction. Reaction. That's very dangerous. In fact, we we were thinking of um, of uh, making demonstration on the ninth day after the election, but a controlled one, okay, to make sure people on the street, but not violent, okay, to prevent you know the destruction, you know once people are coming in controlled. that would be a problem. But that was also, it, it was not an easy task to <laughs> okay. Because the government wouldn't have agreed at all. Because so the intention was good.
1: So it's not going ahead? No, no. no. Okay. Khalif Khalifa, chairman of Muslims for Human Rights in Lombasa, and Furaha charu lands program officer for
0: Haki Yetu, our rights organization. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you, too. Thank you, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at ALC Radio numeral number one. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info.com at africanradio.com